Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning, Lyle. What are you thankful for this morning, Mon? I am thankful that I walked into the office this morning and sitting on my desk was a ticket for a cruise. Yes, we yeah. all got tickets to a cruise. Yeah, with my so name this is, this is what we do at Faith FM. We, we, just, go, go we just go cruising. <laughs> if, we're not, if we're not in Alpine lodges, we're on cruises. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, so you're t- all getting super excited for us. Like, where are we going? Tahiti, yeah. Vanuatu, Hawaii. I don't think it goes anywhere. Singapore. Oh, it doesn't go anywhere. I think it just goes out in the water and then comes back. But there is a, a vegetarian lunch buffet. It goes for like, what, three hours? I'm excited about that. I have no idea what time it comes back. And, and, I know it boards and, at 11 o'clock. And the ship is all of like, what, 30 metres long at the most? Oh, probably. Maybe, maybe even it's, 20, maybe 10? It's the office Christmas party, which I'm impressed by because I didn't realise that we would um, be doing something so swish for our Christmas Yeah, yeah that's pretty fancy. Party. Yeah, here at the uh, at the office. So I'm pretty excited about that. So that's on the 6th of December. That's like three weeks away, but I'm still, I'm still happy about it. We're going to see dolphins. I wasn't expecting to be going to on, a, on a cruise. We're going to see dolphins, you yeah, think of course. so? Of course oh, we'll see dolphins. That'd be amazing. What are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? I am grateful for my new water system where I can fill my pool with water. Oh. Yeah. You invented a new system? I invented a new system. Oh, good on you. Am, good on you. I am, I am just pure genius. <laughs> calm down now. Calm just, down just now. Just ask me, Mon. Ask me. I'll no, t- I will tell I, you I don't all think about I will. it. I don't think I will. <laughs> but right. speaking of uh, creating new systems to uh, save water and stuff like that, we are going to be discussing... Um, a couple of uh, eco-friendly ways to uh, power your house oh, involving bacteria and sewage. Yes. A little bit icky, but you know what? It's a good solution if it works, you know. We have an endless supply of that stuff. It's not like we're not going to run out of sewage anytime soon. It is a renewable resource, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it does not involve methane. This one's something different. Yes, indeed. In fact, we know all that what we're talking about on the show today because this is a delayed broadcast. As you well know, if you would like to get the live broadcast in your area, it's very easy. Write down this phone number or just memorize it, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Jump on that phone line, call us here at the Faith FM Studios and give us a pester about how you want the live broadcast in your area. In the meantime, you can jump on our uh, TuneIn app and search for Faith FM Australia and listen to the live show there. Absolutely. And later on in the show, I'm going to be talking about... What am I going to be talking about this morning, Mon? Uh, you were talking... What are you talking about? I was going to talk about climate change, but then I talked about something different. What were, <laughs> We can't even remember what we were talking about on the show this morning. I know that we had a really great Bible study about racism. I oh, continued I continued Encounter with God, um, covering racism, um, Peter doing a Peter again. And uh, yeah, that was really interesting. So stay tuned for more of that. But right now, we're going to have a wonderful song. Stay tuned. After this, the show will kick off with our Bible quiz. in my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every Oh, 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 
Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know.
was Lauren Daigle with uh, You Say here on Faith FM. As we kick off the show, Mon, give us a clue for the quiz. Yes, this morning is a What Creature Am I quiz. So a little bit of a difference. Um, there are multiple names for this creature. I'm not sure how specific I want the answer to be, but we'll see as we go along. So let me let me shoot you with the first, not shoot you, but let me shoot you the first quiz clue. What creature am I? The woman who gave birth to the male child in Revelation was swept away by a river of water spewed out of the mouth of this creature. Mm. What creature is that? Give us a call you if do you know, know the that, answer. That verse is in Revelation, right? Of course I know it's in Revelation. And, and are you trying to challenge me with that one? <laughs> I'm trying to challenge the listeners, Lyle. You just get a little bonus for, for playing along. And you've got it wrong, by the way. I've just seen you write it down and you are so wrong. <laughs> Give us a call before Lyle gets it right. I am not. You are so wrong. Give us a call. I will send you the prize if you can get it right. Uh, our number, of course, is one. Don't are you look at the Bible? What, 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 hey, everybody Bible. else is allowed to look in their Bible. What translation is your quiz coming from? Is what I want to know. Give us a call. One eight hundred Faith FM. It's one eight hundred three two four eight four three. And uh, look at him. Oh, you look. Now he's sulking. He's sitting. He's crossed his arms. He's pouting his lip. He's sulking like a big sook. I was wrong. <laughs> I was totally wrong. You were wrong, Winter. He's looked up the verse, and he was so wrong. Give us a call. Tell us the answer. Uh, just when I am gloating, and you're actually blushing now. Through your Sri Lankan tan. I can see you going red a little bit. <laughs> Give us a call. Tell us what creature that is. We'll send the prize this morning. Lyle, yes. I promised you a story about uh, sewage and um, bacteria. Yeah, and battery, no, okay. no, no. What do you mean no, no, no? No. This is good stuff. No. We've actually talked about something similar in the, in the past about, because, you know, uh, sewage is something that we're never going to be without. It's a constantly re- renewing source it's very easy to renew, essentially. A renewable resource. Yeah, yeah, very easily renewable. Yes, no, please, we, we no. Don't, we don't have to go mining for that one. breakfast show. Why do we have to talk about this during because the breakfast show? people are show. probably listening to our show whilst, anyway. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, shh, 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 Lyle, calm down, go sulk again. Okay, so special bacteria is actually found to have a battery that turns sewage waste in, into clean hydrogen energy. That's okay. pretty cool, right? Okay. So apparently we're flushing valuables down the toilet every day. Uh, so there's a new study that's so come you're proposing to- proposing we don't do that? Well, they we have a- they have Keep a pretty, it instead? They, well, kind of. So they have this new study that's uh, been the first to show that the purple phototrophic bacteria, mm-hmm. which can store energy from light yep. uh, when supplied with an electric current, can recover near to 100% of carbon from any type of organic waste while generating hydrogen gas for electricity production. Okay, so that's how do pretty I, cool. How, right? do I, how do I set one of these up in my backyard? <laughs> and how much hydrogen is it going to produce? Okay. I mean, how much, uh, you know, am I going to be able to power my house from my septic tank? Well, let's 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 let's, let's, let's have a listen because it's. I don't think it's going to be ready for um, individual use just yet. <laughs> so, but but organic compounds in in household sewage and industrial wastewater they are actually a rich potential source of energy, which we looked at before. Uh, you know, even bioplastics and even proteins for animal feed. Yeah, I had a friend who was uh, making his own methane gas and running his house off of his own methane. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. We might have to talk Until about that Until the wrong later. people found out about it and realised that um, yeah, it might be ready to blow himself sky high. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're even saying that it might be even a source of protein for animal feed, which I'm a little bit concerned about if you feed, like, you know, um, livestock 
essentially sewage off of off, off cuts and then like you know what kind of meat quality you're going to get out of that that kind of concerns you because then when then humans reconsume the meat and we've already seen what happens when you feed cows anything other than grass if you feed them grain it's already a step down and if you feed them you know how they often get fed themselves like if the if the cow dies they just mm-hmm. stick it to the machine and then feed it back to the other cows and that's creating all kinds of cancers and that kind of thing which is you know bad cow disease yeah so i'm a little bit concerned about that one but apparently you can um but there is it, it, you can do this um there is currently uh, no efficient extraction method that's the problem um treatment plants generally discard sewage as contaminant obviously including these uh these good purple phototropic bacteria uh it's it actually is environmentally friendly and cost effective solution for other energy though um so the the guy here who discovered it at the university uh in spain he says one of the most important problems of current wastewater treatment plants is high carbon emissions which is true if you think about it you know we have to deal with our waste every day it takes a lot of energy to deal with it like there's so many of us on the planet now we're all going to the toilet every day what do we do with that you know when you flush it we stop thinking about it right but it goes somewhere. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we can't we can't just ignore, you know, what we, we you know the offal that we create where it goes. It has to be dealt with somehow, and it's high energy to deal with with sewage. Um, so this guy, uh, his name is Dr. Daniel Piol, Piol, I think I pronounced that correctly. He says our light-based biorefinery process can provide a means to harvest green energy from wastewater with zero carbon footbit, footprint. Purple phototropic bacteria belong to the biggest and most diverse group of bacteria. All of them are photosynthetic, but unlike plants and algae, they use infrared light as the energy source for their metabolism. This gives them a color from uh, brown to red, including purple. The main feature of these fascinating organisms is their versatile metabolism. They can perform a range of metabolic reactions, making them kind of a metabolic Swiss army knife. Hmm. For this reason, these organisms are ubiquitous in nature. However, their preferred environment is in bodies of water, many lakes. They're also frequently found in wastewater treatment plants, which gives us a clue about their applications. So they can, um, this bacteria uses organic molecules, uh, nitrogen gas, um, instead of CO2 and oxygen and, and, and H2O uh, water to provide carbon electrons and nitrogen for photosynthesis. So they actually grow yep, really fast. You're kind of going, going over. Oh, by, sorry, but okay. that's all right. Yep. So they so basically you um you you, you use these um these, so the base of the bacteria so bugs bugs that, that use different sources of of energy to create more energy than bugs what we, creating than, hydrogen. We burn the hydrogen, make electricity. Yeah, and they don't they don't take the energy from where we usually take the energy either. So it's actually like double double whammy awesome. That, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what we just need to figure out is like how to um, harness that, get the current because you need to do electrical current on them, and, uh, and then you can harness it. So, see what we need. To do, what we need to create mm-hmm. is everyone's backyard where they have a septic tank. They're creating both methane and hydrogen at the same time, mm-hmm. and just just power your whole house. I mean, how cool would that? That be? would be amazing. That would be and a could, much better could, solution could, than what we have now. You could, you could have a little thermo uh, generator right there creating electricity. Um, you could have, you know, run the methane, of course, through your gas stove to, to cook with, to heat with, to warm your house with, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And all just from our waste products. Yeah, it would be amazing. And you could build a house anyway. Like here, you know, it's always like, oh, are we close enough to civilization so we could hook into the power supply? Like if you, if you could just build a tank in your backyard and run everything off that, just wander around and the even desert. And even if it's just an addition to, you know, your solar electricity, for instance, yeah. because, you know, off-grid solar is becoming more and more uh, popular. But, you know, it has its limitations because it only works during the day. It only works when the sun mm-hmm. is um, – well, it only works for the, you know, efficiently. Solar a day, sewage at night. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. 
It'd be great. You know, if you combo that up with some wind, uh, maybe some uh, water, if you've got a bit of um, slope on your land, you can have pumped um, hydro happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's all kinds of potential here. It is. It, it, wouldn't it be great if we could get – I don't know. Do you think this is a good idea? I would love to see the whole of Australia, the whole of every country, where every house in every suburb in every city – is essentially off-grid power-wise. So we no longer need a centralised power supply. We're all, each house is self-sufficient, even though they're in the suburbs. And then huge power plants, they can save those for emergencies or for like hospitals and, and you know, key elements like that. Doing it with houses, I think, is, um, is, is reasonable. Being able to provide that across the entire country so that you actually are able to shut down, you know, your your base power. I think that is probably a long, long, long way away because of industry mm-hmm. and, you know, all of these kinds of, uh, you know, things that we've but got to account for. But if you think about it, when, the, you know, when Thomas Edison first invented the light bulb, they probably thought it was a long way off before every house had those, right? So it's totally yeah. possible. Yeah. We should aim for this. Yeah. We should aim for every house to be off-grid. I certainly want an off-grid house. Yeah. I have all kinds of plans, all kinds of stuff that goes around Look, in my mind all yeah. the time for an off-grid house. And this is such a hot topic at the moment, um, you know, with the whole carbon footprint and environmental uh, friendliness and all this kind of stuff. I think there's so many people who are cooking up ideas. I think it's totally possible. I think there could be multiple solutions to have every house off-grid. I really do. I think it'd be great. Can you yeah. imagine, can you yeah. imagine a whole city? Because when you say and off-grid, you usually think of people who have gone out in the bush and they're like John the Baptisting kind of it out there, you know, cut off from society and they're no, off no, the no. Grid. Off-grid solar these days is um, yeah, is is, 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 is quite a, honestly a whole city of off-grid yeah. houses. Anyway, we've used up all the time because I was going to teach you, Lyle, 129 ways to get a husband. But I'm <laughs> yes, going to save that. that. I'm going to save that for tomorrow. You're going to have a good laugh. So stay tuned to to tomorrow. 129 <laughs> ways to get a husband in yeah, the 1950s. I don't need that. <laughs> it's so unusual. You see right through the mess inside me And you call me out to pull me in You tell me I can start again And I don't need to keep on hiding I'm fully known And loved by you You won't let go No matter what I do And it's not one or the other It's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known Fully known and loved by you I'm fully known and loved by you It's so like you to keep pursuing Ooh, but you got my heart with your truth The kind of love that's bulletproof And I surrender to your kindness Oh, I'm fully known And loved by you You won't let go No matter what I do And it's not
Doran Wells with Noon here on Faith FM and Mon. Give us another clue for our quiz right there. Okay, uh, what critter am I? Did, have you figured it out now, Lyle? Yes. No, no, you, so, okay, so you know yeah, that you yeah. were wrong and now you know that you're right. Yes, that's okay. right. Okay, what creature am I? It, hmm, this yeah. creature was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. <laughs> that that's pretty a, easy. Come a, on, guys. One eight hundred Faith FM, or you can just DM me through any social media form. <laughs> okay, so one eight hundred three two four eight four three. If you know the answer to that, okay. So some more research has been coming out in relationship to blue light, and um, in two thousand and two, of course, they discovered photosensitive retinal ganglion cells in the eye. So these are cells in the eye that do not form images. They collect light, but they do not form images. Okay. Their purpose is to tell you what the time is. Oh, by okay. how much by how much light there is, by what the quality of light there is, uh, by what kind of light there is. Okay. Now, basically, um, they're designed to anticipate sleep. So you have these cells that are there. They are designed to to, uh, to anticipate sleep and to get your body ready to go to sleep. And so there's a whole bunch of physiological changes that take place in your body in the evening as you're slowing down and preparing to go to sleep. You know, uh-huh. Your digestion is going to slow down. Your brain's going to slow down. Everything's going to slow down and prepare your body for sleep. And it's these little cells that they discovered in 2002 that actually set your body up to do that. Now, blue light in the natural environment peaks at midday. Okay. And so as the blue light is peaking, these cells are saying, be active, be awake, be on top of your game, uh, because this is the time of day to be getting lots of things done. And so basically what you've got is a master clock that is operating inside of inside of your, your body. Um, it changes your mood. It changes your metabolism. Um, and it's actually impossible to flip that clock. No, so once it starts, except for there is one exception. Okay, uh, shift workers on uh, offshore oil rigs. What? Yeah, so I've got to, I've got to find more out about that. But uh, on an offshore oil rig, you can flip your body clock, uh, but in any other environment, it's impossible. One of the things that, uh, of course, will you know set that off is, uh, of course, is if you're on a shift worker and you've got a uh, you know a rotating shift, then sooner or later you're going to try and be awake during the day, and it's going to just be all over the place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can you can you can be a shift worker who only works night shifts, and you will not flip that body clock um, on any job that is on dry land. But anyway, That's okay. Odd. So basically, um, what this is going to do is going to disrupt your sleep patterns, and it uh, disrupted sleep patterns, particularly people who stay awake late at night and sleep during the day is a symptom of basically all mental health issues. Yeah, absolutely. So if this is, um, you know, this is because it's unnatural. It's unnatural to be awake at night. Um, It's unnatural to be sleeping during the day. And so if you're talking about bipolar, suicide, depression, all of these things, this is a symptom that you are um, in danger of all all of those uh, different uh, problems right there. Okay, so basically what it comes back to is the old mantra, uh, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. That oh, that's not the one just... I know, but go on. Hey? That's, I, I know a slightly different one. I don't, I oh. don't think I'll share it. <laughs> but yeah, go on. I am very curious no, now. No, no, no. But that was what I was brought up with. You know, it's been around forever, and it's actually very true. It's, yeah. 
because what you need to get is you need to get that morning light. What's going to happen is that the morning light is actually going to trigger all kinds of things in your body that's going to set yourself up. It's going to wake your body up. It's going to give you energy. It's going to release all of the uh, the chemicals into your body for you to fire up for the day. And then in the evening, of course, you need to have that, uh, you know, the blue light is disappearing. Uh, the body is winding down, and we do pretty much the opposite with our screens. So the major source of blue light that we have, you know, because we're just flooded with artificial light in our world today, the major source of blue light that we have is from our screens. Mm. And so you get intense, you get a, a midday level of blue light from your screens at night time. What that does is it tells your body that it's the middle of the day. Yep, time to go. Time to go hard, work hard, get lots of things done. Of course, it's time to sleep, and then you shut your uh, screens off, and then you you know you can suffer from all kinds of light pollution from in the house. You know, there's 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 all those. Have you noticed all those little um little lights that come on you know, when your computer is charging? Your phone oh is yes, charging, yeah, I can't is, stand you know, those. I have to unplug they're, everything. They're, you put a, a little um, illuminated clock mm. beside your bed. Have uh, mm-hmm. street lights coming in through your. Uh, curtains, all this kind of stuff is very, very detrimental to your health. Mm-hmm. Um, you should never have those in your room whatsoever at all. Those are going to be bad for your health. Uh, get rid of those and you will get a... Um, yeah, I think people would be absolutely surprised if they trialed not looking at any devices after 6 p.m. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what I had to now, do to get some morning breakfast. I found out. Late night, staying up late at night combined with screens... Um, actually neutralizes some antidepressants. Wow! So you can go on medication for depression or whatever, yeah, uh, which is which is curing the symptom, not the cause. Mm-hmm. And then you can neutralize that by staying up late at night and looking at screens. Yeah, I mean, so, I yeah, six o'clock onwards, get rid of those screens. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you have to go to bed at six o'clock. Just stop looking at screens at six o'clock. Don't look at your phone, your laptop, your television. Nothing. Try like reading a book, talking to someone on like an old phone, maybe. <laughs> what do you yep. don't look at screens? And like the the quality of sleep is actually surprising at how much it increases the quality of sleep. Yeah, a lot of people complain, you know, about insomnia and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But when you actually look at their insomnia, it's um, purely lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, um, big the, meals at night, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The article that I read, Lyle, was um, was. A, a new research coming out of the University of Toledo, uh, which was showing that blue light uh, from electronic devices can actually speed up blindness. And so they were saying it might be a worthy investment to buy those new glasses that you can get that have um, blue light filtering technology. So even if it is the middle of the day and you're at work and not like, you know, in, in the in the evening when you should be switching off screens, you can put the glasses on and, um, and combat uh, the blue light that comes out of you. Because it's blue light all the time from... Because, you know, it's the... Um, uh, it's like an invisible shield between your eyes and the screens, and uh, and they're saying that any sort of artificial high intensity light on a daily like barraging basis can can speed up blindness. Well, here's 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 what else that was interesting is that um, at night time we need to have yellow light. That's right. Because when the sun's going down, you get that yellow light coming through, that dust coming through in mm-hmm. the natural environment. And we've replaced all of our light bulbs with, you know, the low use, you know, the, the, the little fluoro ones or the mm-hmm. LED ones. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're just smashing out blue light compared to the old, you know, the old school light bulbs that nobody can afford to run anymore. Yeah. That pump out yellow light. Mm-hmm. So maybe we've got to come up with some yellow light shades to put around our Do you work? LED lights. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I'm, maybe. I'm just thinking about it. Just um I know that the uh, the LEDs are certainly a lot less romantic than the 
um, yeah, the old style light bulbs. That's true. I mean, I was thinking about getting some of these, some of these um, blue light filtering uh, lenses, these glasses. But the thing is, I'm a little bit worried. You know how you, when you wear non-prescription spectacles, it can actually like bust up your eye, your eyesight, and then you have to get prescription glasses after that. Yep, don't know anything yeah. about it. Anyway. Um, so a few solutions. I like some of these solutions. Blue light in the morning mm-hmm. to have a blue lamp. Switch it on in the morning when you wake up. Um, be awake for the sunrise. Mm-hmm. So watch the sunrise come up um, and have those warm globes and every now and then go camping. Oh, yay. What? <laughs> go camping. Absolutely. Go, go camping. It will reset your circadian rhythm. Go camping somewhere where there is no light pollution and you're getting just natural light from morning until night all day long. Wouldn't that be great if doctors could actually prescribe a camping trip and you could like claim that back on your Medicare or something? <laughs> now you're talking. Yeah. And I, I totally think that this is something that should happen. Something. I think we are totally onto something right here because it is <laughs> one of the best ways of you know being able to relax and just enjoy nature, have a great time um, out amongst the things that God has created. Our national parks need to be part of our Medicare system. Yeah, that's right. This is Sovereign Grace Music. i 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, or 88 right across Australia. And joining us here at Grey Nomads, we're actually doing, uh, we're recording this um, interview ahead of time. And so uh, meeting up with uh, Toby Clare down at Grey Nomads. And Toby, you've been here sharing the morning devotional. Yes. And uh, yeah, welcome to the show, by the way. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Now, we, we wanted to, um, in, in your morning devotional, you've been sharing your life story and uh, your testimony, and we were just wondering whether you could, um, yeah, just share with us your journey of faith. Where does where does your journey of faith begin? Well, I guess, look, you've, you've got to start right back at the beginning. For me, it started with being born into a Christian family. Okay. Um, Whereabouts? I was born in Shepparton in Victoria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my parents were living near there, and they were uh, building a house at the time that I was born, and so I went home from hospital and into a caravan. Into a caravan, yeah. Okay, so, they, so this they, lived, was, um, they lived on site while I while, uh, when I was born, while they were building the house. There you go. That sounds like a, uh, a an adventure for your parents. You probably didn't know so much about it at the time, but don't uh, have any recollections of that. <laughs> yeah. So how long did you live in the caravan for? Oh, uh, look, I I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure. Not not that much longer. I don't think. I think the house was probably finished within a, a number of months, and then we moved in. So yep. yeah, it was just a, a stopgap measure until they uh, finished the house. So uh, what time of year were you born? Winter or Summer uh, or spring? Summer? Spring. Okay, yep. so it's not too bad for a caravan. I'm no, thinking no. winter in a caravan is cold, summer in a caravan is hot, <laughs> but um, you probably got under um, some reasonable shelter by the time you were. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Now, tell us about your family. Um, as, a young, as a young child starting off, 
Um, you got brothers and sisters? Or? Yeah, yes. I've, I come from quite a large family. Um, so there was already two sisters when I was born, and another four came after me. So all sisters. So there for a mo- for a while, you had five people in one caravan. Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't think it was. Oh, yeah. I guess. I guess there must have been, including a baby. So yeah. I know that there was some sort of a hammock type contraption hooked up for me above uh, above my parents' bed, and uh, yeah, it must have been a, an interesting. Interesting experience for them. I'm, maybe I'm glad I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, back in the day, this is how you know so many so many people started. Um, you know, you, you live in the caravan or or wherever you do it tough for um, six months while you build a house, mm. and, and it was just it was just the thing that was done. People wouldn't dream of it doing these days. But, no, um, no, yeah, fantastic. Now your your family. Um, you say it's a Christian family. Like, is this a, a church attending daily worship kind of Christian family or a, yes. or a Christmas and Easter? Yeah, family? no, no. This this was um, my my family at that stage were. Um, Seventh-day Adventist Christians, mm-hmm. and we had attended church each week. Um, I don't remember an awful lot about the little church at Shepparton there, um, but I, I have in more recent years bumped into one or two people that remember our family from back in those days. So, And it was something that we did each week. You know, yep. uh, We had family worship each morning um, and uh, in the evenings as well. And of um, Friday evenings, we'd have a special time of worship as well. Mm, fantastic. Mm. That's great. And so, um, w- when was it? H- how did you actually uh, um, come to know Jesus for yourself in, that, in a really real way? That took quite a long time. And uh, to be honest, um, I didn't make my faith, or my, I should I should say, I didn't make my family's faith my own until I was probably in my late twenties. Um, and look, to be honest, I, I can't really pinpoint any particular one event that precipitated that. But I do remember being at um, a convention one time. Um, uh, there's there's a, an annual convention um, that happens called Big Camp up in uh, the northern section of New South Wales. And I remember being at Big Camp one time. And look, I can't remember who was speaking. I don't remember much about um, what was actually taking place. I know that they were celebrating the Lord's Supper. It was the final night of that convention. And I just remember being hit by a sense that God actually loved me and that he wanted a relationship with me. And I think that that was probably the beginning. And that night I asked I asked Jesus to be my saviour officially and properly and personally for the first time. Mm-hmm. And um, at this stage I'd, I'd been put under the water, so to speak. I'd been baptised. How old were you when you were baptised? Um, well, there was actually two occasions because the, the first time that it happened I was I was. 18 or 19, I can't remember exactly, and um, I, I probably did it more out of obligation than anything. Um, it was more of a, oh, I've got to tick a few boxes so that I can serve in church, you know, so that I can hold church office. And um, for me, that was, like, I look back on it and I, I don't actually see that as a baptism. I, I see that as being buried alive, more or less. So um, I was baptised for the second time um, at the age of 30. Okay. Yeah, and this was after you've had this experience of yes. really truly giving your heart to God. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah fantastic. I, I can't remember exactly how many years later it was. It might have been four or five years later, perhaps. But that was that was, the, I guess, the first time that I really truly understood that God loved me and that He wanted a relationship with me. Sure, sure. And so, what have you been doing for God since then? So um, I understand that you, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. You you, t- you tell the story. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, so. 
after my baptism, I sort of I did a number of different um, jobs working with people. I knew that God wanted me to work with people, and um, at the at the that time where I had the experience where I I was converted, um, I was actually working in the automotive smash repair industry. And I'd done that for a number of years, uh, managing a couple of different shops. And I, I guess I got to the stage where I realized, and I, I, God was calling me to work for him. And I just didn't, I, I guess I wasn't close enough to him to realize in what capacity that was. And um, looking back now, I can see that God was actually wanting me to go and work in pastoral ministry. But I thought, okay, God wants me to work um, with people. How about I go and I, I learn how to be a counsellor? Maybe I can help people that way. And so I studied um, while I was working at the Smash Repair Shop and uh, did my. I got a degree in, um, in counselling, a Bachelor of Social Science with a counselling major. And uh, I then, after that, that time, went and worked for the um, public service um, in the area of child safety. And I, I did that for a number of years. But still, I think God puts this, I don't know how to describe it, I'd call it maybe a bit of a holy unrest in your heart, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he allows you to, to realise what it is that, um, you know, that, there, that there's something not quite right, I guess you'd say. And so, um, after I'd been working there for some time, um, I... Uh, a friend of mine was was working uh, for this program called Arise, and um, the first Arise program had happened in Australia. And um, in the lead up to that, he said, "Oh, you know, you really should come so and do it." This is a um, this is a, a Bible Bible college. It's Bible a Bible college, things, yeah. Uh, three and a half month program. Yeah, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And so he'd uh, he'd said to me in the lead up to that first one, oh, you should come. It'd be really good, a really really good opportunity. And I knew that he'd done a similar program in the states, um, not the same one. It was it was a different one. And uh, anyway, I I I thought, oh yeah, that'd be really good to do. Maybe I should. And I ummed and art about it, and I didn't do it. And um, but what I did do was I went up and spent I think two days in classes with them just to see what it was like. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I thought, oh, wow, I, I think I probably should do this next time it comes around. And so I put in an application um, with my, you know, my government employer, um, and I was putting in for leave for three and a half months off work. Yeah, that's a fair chunk. <laughs> and uh, every level of management that this request went to said, there is no way you're going to get that amount of time off. Um, people don't get that much time off when they're having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. So you're not going to get it off. And I, I just prayed, God, if this is what you really want me to do, then get me the time off work. And um, sure enough, the request was approved. And, um, you know, everyone noted that this was a very unusual um, occurrence, that, I, that this <laughs> three and a half months off work had actually been approved, especially for the purpose that I wanted it for, because I sure. told them what it was for. Yeah. So anyway, I went away and I did that. I had intentions um, of going back to my job. And God really changed my life during that program uh, to the point where, you know, essentially I got towards the end of that program and I was like, yeah, I don't know whether I really should go back to my job. Um, and then I was asked to do some um, Bible work at the end of it. And um, I was asked to stay on at uh, Kingscliff Church um, in far north New South Wales to do some uh, Bible work there. And I prayed about it and I felt strongly that that's what God wanted me to do. And so... I didn't actually go back to my job. Um, I mean, I did go back, but essentially I walked in on the first day that I was back and said, look, I'm, I'm giving you a month's notice that I'm, I'm quitting. 
And I've never looked back um, since, since that moment. You know, I I thoroughly enjoyed the, the, the path that my life has taken since then. I went and did some Bible work for 18 months, um, got to the end of that, planted a church or helped to plant a church, I should say, um, during that uh, process. And, yeah, um, got to the end of it all and... And I had to make a decision. Do I continue with Bible work or do I, um, and knowing that that may or may not eventually lead to full-time pastoral ministry. And uh, I, I got to the end of that process and I really didn't know what to do. I, I was praying a lot about it. And um, eventually God brought me around to the realization that I should go and uh, study full-time so that I could just get that part of it over and done with and out of the way, which has to be done. And um, yeah, now I'm working for um, South New South Wales Conference as a, as a pastoral intern. Hmm. So, yeah, it's amazing how life can take a, the turns that you don't expect. It is, it is. Now, I'm curious to ask, you know, counselling is obviously something that goes, that, that, that synchronises well with ministry. Yes. Yep. What about panel beating? Well, it's interesting that you ask that because I think that um, working in those sorts of uh, completely and totally different trades um, actually prepares you quite well for ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, it teaches you about patience, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it also teaches you that not... Um, I think sometimes um, there's this tendency to think that when you work for a church that everything's sanitised and rosy and all that sort of thing. And when you work in a trade or, or, or something like that, you you get a sense for what other parts of the world are actually like, um, other parts of society are like. Um, it... I look at all the different things that I've done over the years uh, career-wise and it's been quite varied. Um, I think it's been a really good preparation for ministry because it exposes you to all sorts of other things that you probably never otherwise would have been exposed to. If I'd gone straight out of high school, um, done my studies and become a pastor that way, I don't think I would have had anywhere near the sort of experiences that, that I've had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's, uh, and it's the reason I ask that question is because you know you look you look at the Jewish model where um, Jewish young men are required to do a trade and then they can you know go and do on what, what, whatever they want. And I just find that it's a you know it's a it's a path that I followed myself. I did mm. um, you know cabinet making for five years and mm. and I found that it was just you know fantastic preparation for ministry. You're dealing with real people, real issues, you know, real you know the average person on the street, and mm. and uh, I I, th- I think that's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. Now uh, down here in South. New South Wales. Um, so, what are you? Whereabouts are you based, and what are you doing down here? Um, so, I work at the Albury and Wodonga churches. There's three churches down there, and um, so that's not so far from Shepparton, where this story started. right? Not really, no. Kind of, kind of gone full circle. <laughs> I kind of have. I mean, th- this was the first time in my life that I'd ever relocated in a southerly direction. Um, I'd always moved further north each time I'd moved, and uh, and so God's brought me back almost full circle, yeah. almost back to Shepparton. It's only you know an hour and 45 away sort of thing from where I live and uh, yeah it's 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 interesting to see the way that God moves um, so there's three churches there they're all quite different from each other and so I'm working at the the three of those there I also do a little bit at the school um, and not an awful lot because we have a, a chaplain there as well um, but yeah it's great to uh, to be able to minister across that sort of cross section I guess you'd say of, of society so when you talk about three different churches there you've got um, and three different flavors of churches mm. so you've got your main Albury church would be the biggest of them it is it? yes yeah and then you've got what 
Wodonga, which is in Victoria. Yes. So, so do you work in Victoria or do you work in New South Wales? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> it's really quite an interesting situation because I've come from one border town to another. So the, the church plant where I was previously involved is at Tweed Head. So it's literally right on the border there with, with Queensland. So the church plant itself, like how many k's from the border? Um, where they meet, you mean? Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe four at the most. Yep. <laughs> it wouldn't be any more than that. It might be even less, to be honest. <laughs> sure, sure. And, uh, and Wodonga, how far would that be from the border? Um, Wodonga Church would be probably less. It's probably only about three k's from the border, I would yep. think. Yeah, it's yep. not very far at all. So you are a, uh, a, a an interstate or cross state uh, pastor. So yes, yeah, that's, yes, that's, that's, this that's, that's is this cool. is this is true. Yeah. So is Wodonga the smallest of the three, or is there another one down there as well? That's um, the smallest one is Wodonga Slavic Church. Okay. Um, so they have the they have a Slavic church there in Wodonga as well, and um, that's a that's a church where I also minister. And um, picked up any of the language yet? Not really, no. Um, I, I, there are one or two little words that I that I know what they mean, <laughs> um, but that's about it. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't think I have the gift of tongues. <laughs> sure, Toby, it's been fantastic having you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, thanks so much, Lyle. It's been great to be here. So that's Toby Clare. He's a uh, a minister now in the Albury Wodonga area, sharing his story here on Faith FM. And we will be back again after this song and the news. There's a light in the valley There's a light on a distant shore A light on a mountain It's the light that'll guide you home It shines in the darkness It speaks through the world Light of forgiveness, the light of the world. Lost in a valley, I was lost on a raging sea, lost on the mountain until the light shone on me and led me out of the darkness back to the shore. Top of the mountain to be lost on. It's the light of redemption, it's the light of a grand plan, it's the light of forgiveness. Yeah, the light is the Son of Man. 
food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is. And it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. 